stronger, be wiser. Our seat, our table. This is our voice, our time, our moment. Our seat, our table. Yeah, hey, 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 hey. Our seat, our table. Believe it or not, we are here and we are here for it. My name is Barbara Chandler and you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table Leadership Lounge. We are also joined by Andrew Brown as well as LaVonda Wilder. Andrew Brown is the founder owner of Brown Box Creative Solutions as well as the artist host of Our Seat, Our Table. Good morning, Mr. Brown with an E. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. How's everyone? Very good. Very good. Thank you. And Miss LaVonda Wilder of the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. As we know, this is one of our favorite weekends. At least that's what I'm hoping. It is Mother's Day weekend. And here at Our Seat, Our Table, we emphasize community. We emphasize the people who help to move along our communities. We call them community leaders, community builders. And honestly and truly, a community builder, a community leader, it starts in the home. And we have invited some very knowledgeable guests. A lot of our guests today are elders in their respective communities. And they are doing grassroots efforts that are changing and impacting lives. We have with us Sherelle Radcliffe, who is a minister, a pastor, as well as a mother, and a very active, um, actively engaged in the uh, creative community. Uh, she's also an instructor with Form to Fashion. We have with us Henrietta Tice. A lot of you may recognize Henrietta's name. Henrietta was with, and I'm, I'm not sure if you still are. She's going to confirm that. I know Henrietta through the Drug-Free Living Program, the Village House Program that she started as a way to provide safe housing and resources in particular communities um, high-risk communities is what we call them at the time, that residents or young people would have a place, a home that was assigned as a village house, village house, and they could go to that house for different resources. We also have joining us today, Sheila Bell. Sheila Bell is in the Pine Hills community, and she is an amazing woman, and she heads up the Pine Hills Seniors continually giving them different projects, um, outlets in which to do, and just keeping them safe through this uh, uh, global pandemic. Uh, this, this show is dedicated to mothers. Um, we, we, we all, what was the saying? We all came through a woman. We're here because of women. And we know in this very critical time, we are seeing a lot of things happen because of women. We have our very first 
uh, vice president, African-American, a woman in office. And so those things we have to really begin to talk about and understand the dynamic and the leadership of a woman. And it comes in so many variations. And I think one of the biggest ways in which a leadership of a woman comes is through motherhood. So again, I want to welcome all our panelists uh, this morning. This is our 17th episode, and it is dedicated to mothers as we are celebrating Mother's Day. So any one of you can jump in at this particular time, but I am going to throw the question out. And the question basically is, in this particular climate, how have you seen your role as a mother also trans um, transcend into that as someone who is leading um, his or her community? Uh, I'll chime in. As this pandemic attacked us, is the best way I can say it, I've had a lot of grown children, a lot of grown adults that have came to me in search of what to do and how to better take care of themselves and how to better take care of their children. And um, I had to go to the basic necessity with prayer. In this time, we have to know who to call on and when to call on. And when we call on God, we have to know that without a shadow of a doubt, he has our best interests in his hands. Wow. 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 That's that well said. Well said, Sherelle. I think you you definitely hit it on the head. One of the things we know is everything was just so unpredictable. Um, and people were looking for leadership and spiritual leadership has always been that uh, first, uh, the first thing we turn to in our communities. Uh, Miss Bell and Miss Tice, any other as as women in your community, how how did your roles change or expand during the pandemic? Well, this is this is Sheila Bell, and this is uh, the the role expanding. As you know, during this pandemic, we see more of a need for food. There's food insecurity in our society, and it was there prior to the pandemic. However, the pandemic has brought it to the forefront. And so what um, Pine Hill seniors have been able to be part of distribution of food, um, the vehicles will drive up and the packages of food distributed to those who who you know um, need it. Um, secondly, beyond the pandemics, because Pine Hills Seniors operates in a Pine Hills Community Center, it has a huge Head Start program. And sometimes we become readers for the children at the Head Start program. And secondly, um, if they have sidewalk art or something and they need spectators, we are right there to offer that kind of encouragement and admiration and um, show our love to them. 
you know, showing that we are concerned about them. There are some seniors also who are known as foster grandmothers, and they are there with the uh, teachers and the Head Start students. We have also had the opportunity to meet with high school students. And it's very interesting sometimes what that level thinks about aging and older adult. So we have a wonderful video called Disrupt Aging that we show to them and have, you know, some discussion who is old and what do you expect the older, older adult or older mother to be. So we have a very exciting time with them. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Sheila. Ms. Tice? Yes. Um, uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I was thinking, um, I'm a mother of two, a grandmother of 11, a great-grandmother of two, and two on the way. And when the pandemic hit, God allowed not just Orlando, Florida, or the state of Florida, of the United States. He allowed the whole world to stop. And one of the things that I've always taught my grands is when we pray, we say, God, the thing around our house, we say, God, G, which is me and God, God, got me and got family in that order. So when the world stopped, we had to take account of ourselves and for me, in that order, that's the way it was because I had to take care of me, make sure that I was protected, you know, pray to God and make sure I was protected and take care of family. Now, I have a mother who's very independent. She's 92 years old. She, hmm. drives, she takes a drive every Saturday after church. She, uh, she does works in her yard. She painted her whole house outside at 85. Wow. And, but she's not taking the shot. Okay, so one of the things is that we have to be very protective. We've tried to convince her. We we tried to talk about uh, how you gave us shots when we were coming up and, and God's knowledge uh, that he's given the scientists, but it hasn't helped any. So we just be very protective. Now, when I when I have that conversation with her, you know, I'm, I'm a little rebellious. I try to convince her, but I've kind of backed up. But I also have... My oldest grand, he'll be 30 this year. And we also have a conversation about the pandemic and, and the young folks and how they feel. And, you know, and, and it was very devastating for him because and he was speaking for a lot of kids his age, you know, because they're, they're locked in, they're tied in, they can't go anywhere there, you know, and they already, and as a black male, you know, it was hard to see a future with all the other stuff that was going on. So, so it was real devastating for him. And uh, just trying to, you know, remind him to be protective even when they go and go out. And so one of the things, you know, in the neighborhood, we were able to, the fire department were giving out uh, masks and everything. We made sure that our neighbors got masks, our children got masks, and just tried to reinstate to them how important it is to be safe, wash your hands, you know, and, and protect your family. And family is very important. Wow. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Miss Tice, talk a bit about the Village House program and how that came about. Okay, so um, so I was I work for the Center for Drug Free Living, which is now Aspire Health Partners, and um, the Orange County Citizens Commission, which is a group of people through the county um, commission's office, wanted to have 
these neighborhood centers in areas they call neighborhood centers and there's throughout the county and they wanted it to be a one-stop service for families in the neighborhood um we were able to get this piece that called safe houses and i was able to change it to the village house program we kind of redo it they wanted it initially in churches but um i was able to put it in people's home right in the neighborhood um so we started this in 1997 uh the home my home was the first house to open these homes have some kind of cultural or uh, name that, that kind of people can relate to my house is called ujima and um and so my house was the first one to open and it's still open today. It is a 24 hour safe haven for kids in the neighborhoods when their parents are not home or when there's an emergency at their home and their parents can't be reached. Uh, they're able to come to these village houses for a safe uh, place uh, if there were domestic violence or, or situations in their house. And there's many stories I could share with you, um, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> And because we opened them initially as safe houses, kids start coming to the houses uh, every day. And they made up reasons why they could come. So we, we soon changed them to after-school activity centers. Uh, we have had, I can give, and since 97, I can give you so, so many success stories. Uh, it would just, you know, uh, take the children to tell you about them but the the heart of the program was actually by volunteers so people would volunteer their homes in neighborhoods for these kids in their neighborhood and these these houses were open uh, in four counties uh orange uh, osceola seminole and brevard uh, today they are still existence in orange county and in uh osceola county um Miss Barbara herself had a house. That's how I met her. That's exactly right. Salama, <laughs> meaning peace. Um, what a great program it was. I know my sons and my uh, nieces, they they talk about, they still talk about the village house from time to time. I think that was definitely one of these community programming, again, that was very innovative, a very innovative concept um, directly in communities, directly again, with people who lived in the community um, for the students or, um, uh, or youth that lived in the community. So I definitely appreciated being able to do my part um, as a volunteer of one of the village houses at the time, and it was in Pine Hills. So excellent program, excellent program, Ms. Tice. Thank you. Absolutely. Andrew, you got any questions for our guest here? <laughs> I sure do. Um, I think what what I'm listening as as a son and listening to mothers talk, the overarching theme really seems to be that once you become a mother, whether you are mothering your own or mothering others, you never really stop. It's always a continual process. Um, the first question that I do have is for my mother in love. Um, we call her Mama Rad, but Miss Sherelle. I know you wrote a book on marriage, 
So you could talk about that. But would you ever write a book on motherhood? Or have you ever considered writing a book on motherhood? It's funny that you would say that. Um, the Lord has been dealing with me with that for quite some time, even before my uh, first book. Um, it's hard for me to talk about being a mother only because when my last child, twice, when my last child went away to go to school, I felt that my motherhood was over. And then when he finally grew up and left the house, I felt that my life was over. But then God has a way of putting a smile on your face and he um, allowed my husband and I to uh, pastor a church and we were birthed with young people. And a lot of these young people were in homes where their parents weren't home a lot because they worked a lot and we fostered these children. Um, we started this in Atlanta, then we moved to Florida and we had some of the students at the high school here in Osceola who um, parents were deceased and they had nowhere to go because their older brother got into some trouble and there was no adult and they were gonna take them away and put them in foster care. And me and my husband stepped up and adopted this child so that he would be able to finish school and graduate with his classmates. And it seemed like God has just been putting young people, grown and children in our lives for us to give them that spiritual insight. And God has shown me mother of everyone will probably be the title of the book. And um, and it's it's just it's just a joy, it's just a joy. Would any of you other ladies, um, have you ever thought about writing a book on motherhood? Um, the book I did series have written, it is not on motherhood, but it does um, include some of the aspects of motherhood. Because when we think of a mother, we think of someone loving, caring, um, providing if there's a need for some kind of provision, and just getting a certain amount of joy of seeing that other person um, be all they can be, all that God has created them to be. For example, we know Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not harm you and plans to give you hope in the future. So although it's seniors to seniors, those qualities of motherhood um, come forward. And the book we have written is Pine Hills Seniors Go. Go live, go love, go serve. You know, live the abundant life. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God and serve with gladness. So we're serving each other, we're serving the children, we're serving our community. Wow, 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 wow. Go live. What is it again, Miss Bell? The title of the book is Pine Hill Seniors Go. And we have a road and it says at the bottom of that road, it says live, love, serve. Live, love, serve. Go live, go love, go serve. I love that. 
Okay. Uh, Miss LaVonda Wilder. LaVonda is a mother as well. LaVonda, you want to chime in here? Miss LaVonda. Okay, so while LaVonda is probably trying to get her connection made, uh, I, I, when I think of motherhood, I became a, a mother at the age of 19. I had my very first son at 19, Antonio. I'm a mother of three boys, um, and I have four grandchildren. So believe it or not, I'm a mother and I'm a grandmother. And for me, that's frightening sometimes. Um, but I, I, but I, I, I think one of my biggest accomplishments, I always said, was raising my sons. That was, that was a challenge. That was something that, you know, when these things happen, you, I, I, you, you got to step up to it. You know, you instantly, I, I instantly had to more or less uh, become an adult. Um, there is no book. Um, you do try reading. At that time, I was one of those who would read these parenting guides and everything is not uh, just black and white. Everything is not one, two, three. Uh, you have to become innovative. Um, you, you, there are certain things I would tell myself that I wouldn't do um, that was, the, you know, that happened that I saw as the, the things that my parents did. But you also have to find balance within that because even though um, times are forever changing, I think just having a basic foundation, having values and principles on which we raise our children, those things will never go out of style. Now, I, you came up in that era where we got, we got beat. I got beat, you know? Um, and then whether or not I would um, also use that form of discipline with, with my children, with my sons, comes into play. And then you, again, this is where the value system um, is so important, the principles and foundations, because not, not everything requires a whooping like what I received. So once again, you, you start going away or parenting from um, a different stance. And even in that, you're, you're challenged. Even in that, you're challenged. And you're, you, you sometimes question yourself as to whether or not you're doing the right thing. And I think that also comes from what um, the influences, what influences are around you and also what, what your goal or what your, your um, ultimate, um, your ultimate uh, destination is for your children. I know one of the biggest things for my sons as men growing up in the United States of America, black men, it was important for me that they were independent. That was a big thing. It was important for me that they could feed themselves, that they knew how to work, that they knew how to serve as well. So those were some of the basic components for me that I thought that I was driving um, or I was, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, that I was um, ingraining into them. Because I always feel that a man has to be able to take care of himself and take care of those around him um, in whatever capacity and to be able to protect. 
to be able to protect himself and again, his community. So my driving principles for my sons, because there was not a lot of, um, there was not always a lot of positive influences. I knew I needed them to be able to stand on their own two feet. That, that was a big, that was a big piece of the, the, um, a big piece of raising them. I needed them to be independent thinkers. I need them. I needed them to, if you see a situation, you say something, you, you become a man around it. So, um, and I was a young parent. I was a young parent. Um, it, 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 I, I can say, I, I always say I grew up with them. Um, it, it matured me in ways a little bit faster than a lot of my peers who were not parents, but I grew up with them. Um, you know, taking them to basketball, taking them to soccer. I think I saw six basketball games in one day. It was tournament weekend and we were committed. I felt that them playing a sport or in these different teams, it taught them different uh, lessons, how to get along with people. And it also, you know, the big thing was it keeps them occupied. It keeps, it, quote unquote, it keeps them from getting um, in trouble. That necessarily is not always uh, the truth, but, you know, it, 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 it helps. It helps, and I always say it. It always helps to have a reference um, when when it comes time to make a decision or take one path. Um, but if you have different references, those can help you in that decision making process. So I, I I do do I did enjoy being a mother. Um, when my youngest son Ashton left the home to go to college down in Tampa at USF. I could not believe what was happening to me. The emptiness syndrome, um, I did not expect it because, you know, technically um, raising them as much fun as it was at uh, certain times, I, I was also looking forward to having my own life. So one of the things um, I would tell a, a, a woman whose children is getting ready to, when, when everybody starts to leave the nest, you have got to start preparing to have your own life. And, um, you know, I get very enthralled in my work, but there's also that work-life balance um, because for the, for what, um, the majority, uh, I, a majority of my first half of my life, I was a mother. So getting up, getting people ready for school, making sure they had breakfast, going shopping, going to these games, that, that was my life. So not having that and being able to, not having that, not having to account for anyone else but myself at times, I found that taking care of myself was a little bit more challenging than taking care of, of, of three young men. So, um, but I, I think the one thing I would say to any woman is that, you know, enjoy motherhood, uh, be kind to yourself, be flexible with yourself, but also once they start to leave the home, make sure that you are preparing for that other part of your life. Um, because so much of who I was, was definitely wrapped up in, into, into my sons. And you talk, Barbara, you're talking about raising three boys, but I've always thought it interesting. You never had a girl. Um, <laughs> 
so this is for all the moms what especially if you have a boy and a girl as your child what are the differences between raising a, a boy and raising a girl um as a mom well let me take the ball on that one because i have a boy and i have a girl i'm henrietta again and um i was listening to barbara and i was thinking i had my son um at an early age of 17 i was a single mom and raising him, all I wanted to do was make sure that he was going to be a man. And so he, I brought in my brothers, the village to help with some things, but he tells me, he has told me and he tells me, he said, mama, you raised me good, but you raised me from a woman's perspective because you are a woman, you know, and he was letting me know that he needed to have a man. And he also would tell me when I was thinking about listening to Barbara, when you think about standards, he also would tell me that he never saw that left coming. Now he wasn't a bad boy. He's doing some good things in Atlanta now, working and, and has a talk radio as well. But when I when I look back and just think about all of the things, you know, just raising him and and uh, and, and the things that we went through, one of the one of the other things that he would tell me is that Tupac did not make that song for his mother. He made it for me. So now you're looking back now, I got two children, they live in, in Atlanta and I got a son and a daughter. And you 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 talk about the difference in raising them. And 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 for me, one day I'm gonna be older and I'm gonna say, now who's gonna have, who's gonna take care of me? You know, so I think it's what you instill in your children as well. Um, both of them, they do a good job of taking care of their mama now. So I know would have no regrets. I don't believe with, with when I get to a point maybe that I can't take care of myself. Uh, they are very close with their grandmother. So when they come, they always go and see her and, and you know, and love on her as well. And um, And they love their children and their children's children and, and friends. So so when you see all of that, because like I said, what's important is got God, got me and got family for, for my family. So when I see that those things are happening within my family, and then I see my kids who now coach, who, who now do a lot of things in their community, then you know that for, for us that you set a good example because God just doesn't only want us to help ourselves and family. He wants us to help his people. So um, I think when we talk about standards, when I look back and how I was raised and the fact that I just was preaching to a, well, talking to a, a family couple before I came on with you and to talk about, you know, just telling them about one of the things that I do have a, with my 30 year old and my other grandchildren, my grandchildren, not my great grand, you know, they tell me, Oh, well, you know, we need to go through that. And I'll say, well, why do you need to go through it when we went through it? My mama went through it and my grandmother, you know, just up the generations and went through it. And you you should just, you know, want to hear us and, and 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 believe in us. So one of the things I know now with this, with some of the kids in this generation, they want to learn for themselves. They want to hit their head. They want to, you know, go through the process. And, and, and I'm finding that sometimes kind of tough, but when I'm talking to them, I still maintain my standards. I don't fold, I don't fold. You know, I listen to them 
but if I know what works, I mean, not saying that I know everything, but when I know what works, I know it works. So I'm telling you, but sometimes they want to, you know, go through and, and bump their heads. So sometimes we have to let them. <laughs> so, wow. uh, yeah, so we, we do have to, you know, still, like I say, keep your standards and keep how you feel. And I think that works. Uh, you know, I tell them all the time, we love you. We're not going to tell you anything wrong. And that's for, not just for my children, but the neighborhood children as well and people that you meet. Mom, same question. What, what were some of the differences for you raising sons and then raising a daughter? Well, I have three sons and a daughter. And while raising them, I've always taught them to be vocal. And uh, if you don't like what's going on, to say something. But when you say your truth, be respectful in what you're saying because you have a voice. And I always taught them to, uh, if it's a teacher, an adult, never disrespect adults. And if that adult is being um, harsh or condescending, you come get your mother and your mother will help you or your dad will help you, but you still have a voice. And in raising them this way, I taught them that respect will get you everything you need in life. And also taught them culture and that and education is important to go as far as God will allow you to go and then push yourself to do better. I've graduated college and I told them, do better than what I did. And my, I guess, word of truth for them would be, I'd rather you try it and not like it than not to try and wonder woulda, coulda, shoulda. And with all of them, they've all went to college. Some of them finished, some of them haven't. They're all entrepreneur, entrepreneurs working successfully in their own businesses and secular jobs. And it's, it's funny because 50% of them are serial entrepreneurs. Jason and my daughter are, every time I turn around, there's a project going on which excites me because it lets me know that there is no limit to what God will have you to do. And in generating income, you're more successful than the next person because you allow God to innovate you and welcome you in with your gifts and your talents. In terms of the question, um, the difference um, raising boys or girls, we have two sons and one daughter. And as I reflect on that, we didn't pay too much attention to making a difference how we raised them. Um, you know, the principles were pretty much the same in terms of being respectful and learn, learning to serve and um, knowing what God expects of you, reaching for that, you know, he has the master plan for you. And um, one of the things we used to throw around in terms of education, if we saw one of them, you know, kind of lackadaisical, kind of taking it easy, it's not that meaningful now, is that prepare to house, feed, and clothe yourself because you're not going to be living with mom and dad for the rest of your lives. I know you don't want to do that. 
So you have to prepare yourself. And so, you know, thank, thank God they all have, you know, finished college. Two of them have masters and so on. And uh, not another thing um, that we we have, you know, said to them or 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 had them to focus on in terms of level of independence. Both both of our sons have their regular jobs nine to five, but entrepreneurship attracts them quite a bit. Our eldest son in particular, his first year at college, he came back and he said, do you mind if I braid my hair? And I said, yes, I do mind because to a large extent with locks, you're going to be stopped by the police more often and so on. And by then he was as tall as I am. We we're looking at each other eye to eye. And he said, mom, I am a black man in America. Whether I wear my hair clean shaven or I wear locks, they are going to treat me like a black man in America. And I had to face that. That is fact. And I said, okay, once you've counted the consequences, just to fast forward, he wore his locks. He is working with NBC at this point with his locks <laughs> because of his education. But one of the things in terms of entrepreneurship, he said, you know, we who wear locks, we don't have hats big enough at the back, need the space at the back. So he was able to design one and he got a patent for it. So, you know, sometimes children are going after something that you as parent cannot see, but with God's help, you give them the freedom to go. My hope and prayer was that although his dad and I had full-time jobs, that we do not be caught up with our jobs, that we lose track of the children and what their needs were. And so Sunday evenings, well, Sunday was church day, but in the evening, 9 p.m., nobody answered the phone. We had our family discussion over a lot of things. I know that Lavanda is back on. Lavanda, are you on the line? Same question to you. What's some of the differences in raising sons and daughters? I only, I'm not going to say only. Fortunately, I have one kid and it's a girl. So I don't have the experience of having a boy, but I have the experience of having a nephew and the, the both of them are six months apart and they were raised like brother and sister. And there's definitely a difference. And especially from the time when they were very young, I did not worry as much about my nephew because we always were told that boys could handle anything. You could send them outside to play and not worry as much about them. And you kept the girls closer in the house and you kept a watchful eye on them. But today I worry more about my nephew than I worry about my daughter. And some of the things I cannot control because it's just the things in the world now and how our boys are being targeted and attacked is the only way that I can say it. So I worry more about the boy. But one other thing I know about us raising boys versus raising girls is that we tend to baby our boys more. It almost sounds crazy, almost like the exact opposite, that we'll send them outside to play and keep the girls in the house. But we also seem to nurture those boys a little more. And when they get older, we realize that might have been a mistake. 
they're not prepared to go out in the world. And we've raised these girls to be such strong, independent women that we find that our girls tend to take care of their boyfriends more than maybe we like to see it now as the mother of an adult daughter. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. It, 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 it does, LaVonda. And um, you, again, as a, as a mother, especially when we are doing this without any instructional guides, um, we're doing this from what we know. We're doing this from what we have seen. And then we're also doing this from some newly acquired information. Um, I always say in the days when my mother was raising me, there was no Dr. Phil. There was no Oprah. Right. They were not having those types of discussions that we started to see Dr. Phil and these professional lifestyle, um, lifestyle gurus that were giving us information on these same topics on what happens when we... Um, over over nurture our boys as opposed to raising them to become men so i i'm fortunate i i i consider myself fortunate we um i definitely included the village i i i say the village helped to raise my children when their father was not around there were coaches um there were they were a part of the boy scouts um we kept open dialogue it was important that was one of those things that um was very important because it w was i i didn't experience that coming up you know um the the outlets were not there so i know that i i, I took a lot of my experience and the things that um were not availed to me because of whatever nobody not having the the know-how i mean this is not a blame of course um, just, just what we know and, and what we do. So, um, but we, we, we also now have, I think we have a better base from which to work from. We, we have, um, more people in, and when I say more people, more people who look like us, who are doing effective parenting, who are, we're seeing in different, um, stratospheres, of, of our communities. And we have more in which we can learn from. I think the one thing we no longer get to do is, is to say that we don't know, and I'm speaking as um, parents a lot of times, because there are resources out there, whether you belong to the um, mainstream black community, whether you belong um, into the, the conscious black community, parenting how we parent is at the forefront how we mother is at the forefront so therefore we have more resources now that we can go to to start preparing our young men to be men and our young women to be women i am definitely one of those women who um, i was raised to be strong i was raised to be you know take charge if needed to and when you when you become a single parent, um, you know those those things, the, those skills that I was taught to be strong and know how to do this on your own and check your own oil and da 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 da. It it became natural for me. Now any anyone who tried to date me after that, that could be problematic. 
So once again, it is finding, for me, it's finding that balance. And I, I think, you know, we, we get to see what worked, what worked in our uh, relationships, personal relationships, our parenting relationships, and how much of that do we, do we share or convey to the next generation of parents that are coming up, that are coming up. Um, I was around my nieces. Um, I have five nieces that I was around when um, and watching them grow up. And, and girls are definitely, we, we, they, again, they were raised to be strong. My nieces were raised to be strong, to be independent, have your own money. If somebody says something to you, you say this back to them. Don't let nobody put their hands on you. So with that comes a, it, it comes a, 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 a persona. Before you even walk in the room, you're carrying a lot of who you are into the room with you, where um, for men, a lot of times, depending on how they're raised, when they walk into the room, um, they a lot of times we will see them, um, the, uh, again, just depending on how they're raised, it, it determines um, how much space they fill. But when you walk into the room, a lot of times when a woman walks into the room, again, being on how she is raised, she can easily fill that room up. She can easily just command that whole room, such as a man too, but it also goes back um, as to how, how both parties are raised. But we all know that principles and values and morals and those codes, um, those codes are, are even though they may not have a, a, a specific gender to them, um, how much one, one gender, whether it's a male or female, um, they're parented to those gender, they're parented to those uh, characteristics also determines who they become. So another theme that I'm noticing, and of course it would make sense, we're talking about moms, is rearing your children up, um, socializing them to be prepared in the world, prepared for the workforce, um, supporting them, fostering their gifts. And I, you know, we've been talking about a lot of your children are entrepreneurs, they're creative. I know, mom, we've had two of yours on the show, um, Rashida and her gift of, of poetry and music and Jason with his gift of creativity overall. How do you as a parent, how do you foster that creativity? Well, I've started with them when they were young. Um, even I would say like toddlers, I will always give them crayons and markers and colored pencils. I always had that around and it told them to draw what they feel. And I never really wanted them to draw pictures of a son and playing in the park and happy people, the family. I always made them draw their feelings and I guess because I'm, I'm a psych major, it always intrigued me what feelings look like on paper. And then I always asked them, why would they always use certain colors? Like Jason's favorite colors was always red. And so 
in the psych uh, world, red means gore or angry, you know? And um, so I always wondered, like, what are you angry about? But that was his expression of his happy place because he was vibrant and not knowing until later that Rashida can't draw at all, but her art, her artistry came through music and um, poetry and creating songs and, and, and that nature, where Jason's uh, creativity came through art and um, visual effects. And so it's, you know, no, uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Yes, we're both artistic. I'm in the arts, the visual arts, and um, their dad is musically inclined. So all of our children have a trait, but um, those two middle children um, trait is heightened almost. And so I just, you know, constantly implored them do something with it. Don't don't just let it sit there. Just do something. Do something, and not until they begin to be like pre teenagers that they start taking their gifts seriously, and started mastering their gifts. And here today, their gift has made room for them. Just as it, I go right back to the beginning when when this pandemic came, God helped us through it when this pandemic came, their gifts began to grow and explode. Anyone else have thoughts on fostering your children's creativity? Well, I think I have something short to say. I believe the hardest part of parenting and fostering creativity in our kids is sometimes knowing when to let go and to let it just happen naturally. And, and I speak from my own experience because I remember when I was growing up, I would always tell my grandmother because I was raised by my grandparents. I would say, well, I didn't tell them. I'd say it in my mind that I'm not going to be like you when I start having kids. But what I soon realized when I started raising kids was that you are the product of your home. And it's hard to sit back and watch our kids make mistakes because it's natural to want to correct them and guide them in the right direction, that the direction that we perceive as right. But sometimes Mother Nature has a way of making a joke of what you thought was right. And sometimes when we sit back and listen to our kids, we find that maybe we were wrong or, you know, and, it, and it's done out of love. But sometimes it's hard to let them follow the direction that they want to be in. And I remember my daughter would tease me sometimes and she'd say, listen to the kids, listen to the kids. But it's hard sometimes to let the reins go and let them be the person that they're that they're meant to be. My daughter is 29 now, and I still find it hard to let go of the mothering reins and let her just be who she is naturally, a sweet, free spirit. It's not easy because they don't come with books. 
And sometimes we read books. I remember when I was pregnant, I'd be reading that uh, T. Brazelton and Penelope Leach. I was reading all kinds of things because I wanted to be the perfect mom, the mom that I did not think my mom was when I was growing up. But I just found that it's not easy to be a parent. We have to sometimes let go and let God. That's the only thing that I can say. And I always say, let go and let God. And this too shall pass. And that's how <laughs> I raised my kid. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and and just... you know, Barbara, we're the best of friends now. Yep. Yep, 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 yeah. I love that part what you said about sometimes did you say mother nature has this way of turning things on you? Yes. Mhm. I agree. I so agree. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, wow. Again, this is our Mother's Day special. You are listening to our seat, our table leadership lounge. We are speaking of the joys, the trials and the triumphs of uh becoming a mother. Um, and how that role as a mother also transcends into what we do into the community. So we want to thank our guests for joining us. We have with us Sherelle Radcliffe. We have Henrietta Tice with us, as well as Sheila Bell. They have taken the time to come out and join us. Any last minute comments as we're beginning to wrap up this particular segment? Any uh, uh, any more knowledge or wisdom you would like to to leave with our young parents, uh, young mothers, um, in this particular time of um, global uh, the global pandemic, civil unrest? I felt for these uh, parents when they had to homeschool their children, just trying to navigate that. I, my my heart went out to them, really and truly. Yes. Children are a blessing, and I know there are times when it's hard, maybe especially during this pandemic, you have so many things to do and you're homeschooling, but with God's help and exercising some patience and love, you will make it, they will make it, and continue to be a blessing to the world. Wow. And i like to comment on that. If you uh, fall short of anything, reach for the village. There are people willing to help but you have to let them know uh, mothers that you need help and even when you can't see what you need just trust and, and step and i'm sure someone will will help you with that thank you and i will close with children learn what they live if children mm. live with acceptance and friendship they will learn to find love in the world God bless. Wow, wow, wow. You heard it here. You are listening to Our Seat, Our Table Leadership Lounge. Uh, it is May 9th. It's Mother's Day. We want to wish everyone a very, it's not Mother's Day, but this is Mother's Day weekend, pardon me. And we would like to take this time to wish all mothers, all aunts, all um, nieces, who have played that role as a mother, we would like to take this time to wish you a very happy Mother's Day. Just so you know, our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge, we will be taking the summer off. We wanna take this time to regroup, 
um, find out, you know, how we're doing from our uh, listening audience, from our community, and how can we better, um, how can we continue to bring you community content, related information in which you can find helpful. Thank you all so much for joining us again. You can listen to us on uh, Spotify or I, um, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and review all of our shows. Let us know which one was your favorite. Um, let us know what you would like to hear in the future. We'd love to find out what our community needs are, what you're thinking, and how we can become better. Thank you all so much, and we look forward to seeing you in the fall. Go higher, think greater, be stronger, be wiser, our seat, our table, this is our voice, our time, our